Welcome to the Fellowship College Podcast. We're back at it again. Congratulate yourself. You've made it to episode three. And I'm not going to lie. Today, we have a good one for y'all. Yeah, we do. We're excited about it. It's going to be so good. But before we get there, as we were setting up, there's a bit of a conspiracy going on in the in the podcast booth today. Apparently, there are differing uh, ideas on whether you should put both socks on first or one sock, one shoe on first. And so, Eileen, tell us about this con- mm. conspiracy and how it came up. Yes. Um, how it came up, I, I could not tell you. Maybe it's just been a problem since the beginning of time. The beginning of time. Since- Creation? O- old Earth or Young Earth? <laughs> oh, no. Has it been 6,000 years or 6 billion years? Um, That's okay. a teaser about what we're talking about today. But the real question is, does it go sock, sock, shoe, shoe? Or sock, shoe, sock, shoe? I might make a song about that. Please sock, do. Sock, Start rapping it. Oh. <laughs> sock, shoe, sock, shoe. Nice. As a, um, as a baseball player growing up, mm-hmm. uh, we're kind of known for being superstitious in our mm-hmm. pregame getting ready. And so I am committed to the sock, sock, shoe, shoe. And I start with my right foot every time. Ask, yeah. So it's right sock, left sock, right shoe, left shoe. And then, and I tie them like that too. So I'm just going from right to left in each order. And that's because I play baseball and we're weird. There are a lot of superstitions in baseball. I will have to have a whole nother podcast about that. But like people, people like do ridiculous stuff. Yeah. Okay. So Josh, what are your thoughts? Okay. So it depends. I actually am kind of weird for about eight months of the year, eight to nine months of the year. I only wear Birkenstocks. (laughs) So that's an easy one. I go, he's from LA. I I go, (laughs) I used to wear rainbow sandals every day and now I've just, made it a little more Southern and, <laughs> and done Birkenstocks. So I literally go Birkenstock, Birkenstock, and that's it. But if I'm playing a sport, AKA golf or disc golf, the only two sports I play, I'll go sock, shoe, sock, shoe, because usually I'm out in some parking lot putting on those things and I don't want to have my socks get dirty. Okay. Respect. Joanna. Respect. Valid, valid. Um, I had a controversial one. Okay. (laughs) I do sock shoe, sock shoe, and then I tie both the shoes. At the same time. At the same time. You tie them together? (laughs) (laughs) I actually probably could definitely not tie my shoe with one hand. I still do the bunny ears method. Um, Works for me. I'm still convinced I haven't quite learned how to tie my shoes. (laughs) Those are sandals. I think somebody like taught me wrong growing up because my shoes come untied more than anybody else I know. <laughs> so we might have a little YouTube lesson on how to tie your shoes later. How to tie your shoes podcast. Um, but normally when I'm getting ready in the morning, I'm like wearing my socks around the house and then I put my shoes on before I leave, which I feel like is more normal. I don't do, know. Do the bottom of your think? socks get all dirty because you just walk around in them all the think time? My house is nasty. Whoa, <laughs> she's got a Roomba, bro. Hey. Dude, she has that na, Roomba. Na, that hey. I, 
am vacuuming. Okay, <laughs> it on. is spotless in there. There's a little a I feel sensitive like, touch point for Joanna. Okay. We just found out. <laughs> She's like there's some, some cook, cookie crumbs all over the house because Ethan the baker is just crushing it. Yes, fire, fire cookies. I sweep oh those gosh. up. He does Joanna, make fire cookies. Joanna's so. husband makes some incredible cookies. We all we all partook <laughs> yesterday. They were they were fantastic. A They're little fire. sea salt. Mm, I'm still oh, yeah. not over the sea salt mm-hmm. on them. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so good stuff. This this conspiracy, like we said, has been around since the creation of time, and so it's a good thing that that's that's what we're talking about today. Specifically, we're going to talk about evolution, and the the one question I want us to walk away with today. Uh, obviously, this is one of those topics that people have written a thousand page books on, and people like major in and spend a lot of hours studying. So we're not going to try and give you every answer to every question. But the one question I want us to answer today is, can a Christian believe in evolution? And I think to answer that well, we have to even ask the question, what is evolution? Eileen, what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Also, subtle flex. Eileen, <laughs> what was your major in college? Mm, I studied biology, but my major was evolution, ecology, and conservation. Whoa. Whoa. Thanks Which for means we here. have a scholar yeah. <laughs> on the podcast. Have you written uh, any books? Um, yeah, 10, Not actually. No, that that is that is false. Um, but I did study it in college. It is my little nerdy guilty pleasure. Um, You've got like nine nerdy guilty pleasures. Oh, it's not just evolution. It's oh. basically all nerdy things. Okay, thank you for that, Josh. Um, appreciate it. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, we can talk about that later. Um, evolution. Yes, I feel like it's a very taboo topic, and um, a lot of times we have misconceptions on what it actually is. So we're going to define it um, and bring some clarity. Um, to put it simply, evolution is when the genetic makeup or the gene pool of a population changes over time, okay? And that's pretty much due to environmental pressures. So um, the key things in that uh, are that it's a population. It's not an individual. An individual does not evolve. A population evolves over very long amounts of time, okay? Um, And that is through different generations of of individuals having babies, passing on their genes, stuff like that. Um, And so that is just what evolution is. And then you can break it up further into like macro evolution, micro evolution. I know that's something we like to bring up sometimes. I know you, I know you hate micro macro evolution (laughs) because you think they're the same thing. But for those of us at home that, that do think there's a distinction, tell us about micro and macro. Yes. Okay, microevolution, I mean, the names kind of give it away, right? Like it, microevolution is when we see um, evolution occurring on a population level, so on a very small scale. And so we see this today happening. Um, examples of this are um, different strains of the common cold, right? Like you, so the common- COVID? <laughs> yes. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> what did you say, Jacob? Delta variant? Delta variant, yes. So like- when we have organisms that have very short lifespans, they reproduce really quickly. And so we can see these changes happening very fast as opposed to like humans, um, we have very long lifespans. And so we can't see that evolution occurring rapidly um, because of that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, so so other um, examples of microevolution that we can see in real time, um, mosquitoes 
right? Evolving resistance to DDT. Worst. Yes. They're, yeah, they're different here in Arkansas. Let me tell you. They love my blood. Um, (laughs) And then we can see evolution, gosh, microevolution happening um, within our own bodies, y'all. Okay, let me just say this real quick. If anyone out there is taking antibiotics for strep, because that is going around right now, finish your course of antibiotics. Why? If you don't, then the bacteria is developing resistance, okay? And so if you don't like finish out that course, then you're keeping alive those bacteria in your body. You're making them stronger. Yes. And that's literally evolution happening in your body. Kill shot. Okay. Uh, Kill shot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, um, that's microevolution happening in your body, just in case you're wondering. Um, there's some luck skidding around going around the table. What are are some of like the for microevolution historically Mm -hmm. when people think of that, what like what do they think of like Darwin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Darwin's finches. Uh, we see that he observed, um, specifically like natural selection happening, um, which is a mechanism of evolution. One of the reasons that kind of causes it to put it simply. Um, and so his finches, he looked at the beak depth of them, um, and how they kind of diverged into different species. Um, some of them would go after like very specific food sources and then their beaks would kind of adapt to those things. And so based um, on what they needed to survive. Yes. Yes. Um, so we think natural selection, um, survival of the fittest stuff like that. Um, so I think for some people listening, we were talking about evolution, talking about micro, talking about finches, Darwin, Darwin. all that type of stuff. I, I think I know this is the background I came from for a long time until I started to learn the finer details of what evolution is as a, coming from a conservative Christian background, especially in the South, when I heard evolution, I thought monkeys to people. Like that's immediately what my brain jumped to. What Can you like correct that if it needs correcting for us? I would love to. Thank you so much for asking, Jacob. <laughs> um, that is a very big misconception. The theory of evolution does not state that human beings come from monkeys. Um, the overarching, and this is, this is macroevolution, right? When we look at evolution on a, very large scale. Um, it states that everything shares a common ancestry. So human beings do not come from monkeys, but we would say, um, we being, sorry, the, the evolutionary biologists, whatever, um, that humans and monkeys share a common ancestor, but on an evolutionary timeline, that was billions of years ago. If you believe, if you believe that, yes, yes. (laughs) <laughs> do you want to tell us more about that Josh? Which, again we don't have time maybe a whole we'll have a whole nether episode on creation in itself there's some really fascinating uh theories about creation uh and some of them are, are older some of them are younger some of them take the bible literally some take it as like more of like a poem or or metaphor and there's actually several areas you could land as a jesus follower and so that's going to be a whole nother episode, maybe even later on in this season. But for for today's episode, um, tell us kind of, uh, can you be a Christian and believe in, in the old earth theory? I mean, I would say yes. <laughs> can, can you be a Christian and believe young earth? Also, yes. Okay, that's good. Yeah. So it, this doesn't need to like, we don't need to be divided on this and like this, like I, I literally grew up hearing if you don't believe in, in a young earth, like let's say six to 10,000 years, like if you don't believe in a young earth, 
you are not a Christian. I, I heard that growing up. Evolution was this, like, the topic to avoid. It was always about these public schools teaching teaching their evolution and rotting our children's brains or corrupting corrupting the youth. And, and so I grew up before going to college thinking, wow, like, evolution is the enemy. Uh, the, this theory that the earth is billions and billions of years old is just some sort of like propaganda that that they're teaching us. And it wasn't until college that I was like, and I went to a Christian college. It wasn't until then that they're like, hey, you can believe in old earth. You can believe in evolution and, and still still hold true that the Bible is the word of God. And they don't and they don't have to be at odds with each other. And in fact, they can really complement each other well. Where, where else have have y'all seen seen that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's uh, valid. I guess. I mean, there are reasons why um, people get kind of uncomfortable with the idea of evolution. And I know that. I mean, we we've been talking about that throughout this week. I mean, you get to topics like, well, what about Adam and Eve? You know, what about when we read Genesis chapter one and it talks about the days. Um, and from a, a Christian standpoint, I mean, the word of God is like, we hold to the highest degree, right? Like it's inerrant, it's infallible. It, it doesn't make mistakes. Um, it's true. And so when we read it and then we think, oh, okay, God on day one created this, on day two created this. But then we look at what science is saying about the age of the earth, we, we see some conflicts um, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's something that I think through a lot whenever I think through the idea of evolution. And Josh, as you I mean, alluded to some of the creation theories, which we won't get into in this podcast. But um, yeah, as believers, we, we are holding to a Christian worldview that the God of the Bible is the one true God, that he created everything, he sustains everything, and he's sovereign in that. Uh, after you get past that, there's obviously wiggle room for like, okay, well, how did we get here? But because we are holding the word to such a high standard, those questions have to arise and we have to address them. And we as believers have to be doing, have to be willing to do the hard work of diving into the scriptures and figuring out exactly what they mean. And so like, yeah, creation narrative and fall Genesis one through three, well, we got to do the work of, Hey, what, what exactly is this saying? Why is it saying it? What's it saying in the original context or the original authors? Um, and then how also does that coincide looking at the world that we know now? So the science that that seems like it shows old earth, seems like evolution gets, is really backed up by it. How do you how do you make those things work? Because it seems to be truth in it. Um, and it takes a lot of work, actually. It's not a lot of times just like a simple, oh yeah, this explanation or that explanation. And I do think that having that demeanor where people maybe aren't really willing to put in the work, even even if it's just because they're committed to holding on to their faith, which is amazing. I, I do think that can cause some of the divisiveness and even hostility between people who might be like, Hey, I'm out on evolution. I'm young earth versus somebody who's like, no, I'm in on evolution. I'm old earth. Because in my experience, I've seen again, people who maybe don't have the data to, to back up exactly the stance that they're holding. If you're on the young earth side, you're going to point at old earth evolution people and say, are you guys even Christians? But then if you're on that side where you're old earth and you're like, no, Hey, I hold to the data of, of evolution. You look at the younger people and be like, 
you guys are kind of idiots <laughs> because you're not willing to like look at this stuff. But but if both are believers, that's where you got to call up to, hey, we don't even treat each other like that. Like in this discussion, we have to have scholarly integrity as we study both the scriptures and science to whatever degree that is, and also treat each other as being made in the image of God, which is a huge piece of of yeah. even this discussion of, of us being made by the one true God. And that's really, that's really good. And, and a lot of the things we're going to talk about in this podcast, this whole season is going to be like the things that are, are most essential and core about our faith. We need those to unite us more than these other things that are secondary or tertiary to let them divide us. I feel like our culture, our Christian culture specifically has let those those things divide us instead of being united by by the core things. And we can still, I think it's still good to talk about and discuss, but as long as we're we're holding true to the core things, that's what's that's what's most important. And as we look at evolution specifically, there really is only a couple camps that as a Christian you can't fall into. And so just for sake of clarity, those would be they have some different names, but the first one is what would be called like atheistic evolution or even atheistic naturalism, where it says the, the world was created through this process of, of evolution by completely and wholly natural means without God. So it takes away God from the equation. It takes away the supernatural from the equation and just says random things happened the earth was created, the, the process of evolution started, and God is not a part of that. Obviously, as a Christian, you can't you can't land there. And one that's maybe a little more enticing that you also, in my opinion, can't land is what's called deistic evolution. And that's kind of the, the theory, and a lot of people hold to this, where there is some sort of God or higher power or being that set the world into motion that put in place this uh, evolution, like that put in place the process of evolution and then just step back and said, all right, good luck. Have fun with that. A God that's transcendent, but not imminent. That doesn't, that isn't actively involved as a Christian. We cannot hold that, that stance as well, because we know that God, our God, Yahweh is is always working, is always like in the middle of it. And that's obviously made most clear through him sending Jesus, God in the flesh to, to dwell among us. And so past those two, like there are a lot of other camps that you can fall in as it comes to evolution. Mm-hmm. And before we go into those other two camps, um, Names that may sound familiar to you that fall into the like naturalist perspective, those are going to be people like Stephen Hawking and Richard Dawkins, where they believe that um, everything, you know, like you have these these polymers that somehow uh, formed and, and these hydrothermal vents and then it, it, chemical evolution occurred. And then from that biological evolution and all of this is due to, um, I guess, chance. It's a little bit more nuanced than that, but um everything that lives is just due to um, natural selection and and there isn't a purpose for human life. Yeah. And a lot of that seems to come from a holding on, like you said, it's like a naturalistic worldview that 
a lot of times is incorporated with scientism. And so it's, it's basically like a worldview that states uh, everything that we see and experience can and kind of has to be explained through science, which is how we study and understand the natural world. And because of that, there therefore can be no God because you can't take a scientific process to prove God. And so holding on to that as a worldview is scientism, which is different than science. And I think sometimes people don't realize that there's a difference there. Yeah. And something that's huge with that is remembering that, that science can only do so much. The definition of science is that it is studying, it's making observations of the natural world. And as Christians, we believe that God is the creator of our world, that he is the creator and sustainer of everything. And therefore he is supernatural because he is above nature. And therefore science cannot prove or disprove a deity because it, it can't study anything above the, na the natural um, and so that's something that, um, you know, it, it's bold of Dawkins or Hawking to claim um, that there is no deity because of these things when science can't prove or disprove that. For sure. Yeah. Something um, that one of my biology teachers um, in school actually told me, and I went to a Christian school, so it was more of an integrated study of biology. Um, but she was saying kind of along those same lines, like science cannot prove that there's a God. Science exists to prove how, how do things happen? It answers the question how, but then the Bible has a completely different purpose. It explains why it gives purpose. And so the Bible doesn't claim to be a scientific book. Like it never, those two don't overlap at all. They ex like they exist in completely different spaces for different purposes. And so there really is room for those two things to work together because they answer different questions, really. Absolutely. And that makes me think of Paul in the scriptures. He actually points to the natural world as a testimony of the fact that there is a God. And so it's not, not necessarily being, hey, we're going to use a scientific method to prove God, but it's God in his super natural greatness has created all these things and has given it purpose and beauty. And Paul's like, that's a, that's a testament to even make you wonder, which obviously is, it's a big reason why you look at cultures throughout all of history. And, um, you know, before a, a modern worldview comes into play, everybody is deistic of some kind. Like everybody has a God. Um, and it's because they look at everything and they're like, oh my gosh, either the things we're looking at are gods or a God created this because this is wild. Yeah, that's really good. And that's, so that's Romans one kind of talking about that God made himself known to everybody through his creation. The psalmists kind of say that same thing that the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims his handiwork. And so uh, God is seen uh, throughout his creation. And that's kind of the, the point as well is that we would look at the world, even, even look at, potentially evolution and say, whoa, that's incredible that God like put that into motion. It shouldn't point away from God, but it actually has the potential to point towards God. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that like I've heard a lot is when it comes to evolution and especially when Christians talk about evolution, there's this like, obviously there's two camps, but a lot of times it's like, oh, those are like the people that believe the Christians that believe in evolution are these like, 
young men and women that are kind of like letting culture seep in. And I think it's really cool when you, when you step back and look at, Hey, there's been Christians throughout history, like Christians that we love and respect that very much believe and believed in evolution. Like C.S. Lewis, who we all love is one of them. John Stott is one of them. Some of the popes and, uh, a guy named Billy Graham. My boy, Billy yes. Graham. Hey, let me read y'all something that Billy Graham stated uh, about evolution um, and just the scriptures being a Christian in the midst of this. And for those of you who might not know, uh, Billy Graham was an incredibly popular and well-known evangelist. Uh, he actually passed away just a few years ago in 2018. Uh, but he is known, especially in the States, for being maybe the person who preached the gospel to the most people ever. Uh, I mean, he would travel and speak to thousands preaching the gospel. Uh, he's honestly an incredible example of the faith. And he is a lot of times associated with a more like traditional conservative yeah. group within just the Christian community in the States. Um, but this is what he has to say uh, about this topic. He says, I don't think that there's any conflict at all between science today and the scriptures. I think that we have misinterpreted the scriptures many times, and we've tried to make the scriptures say things they were not meant to say. I think that we have made a mistake by thinking the Bible is a scientific book. The Bible is not a book of science. It is a book of redemption. And of course, I accept the creation story. I believe that God did create the universe. I believe that God created man, and whether it came by an evolutionary process, and at a certain point he took this person or being and made it into a living soul or not, that does not change the fact that God did create man. Whichever way God did it makes no difference as to what man is and man's relationship to God. That's so good. That's really good. I wish we could talk about this forever, and I, looking at our notes and how much more we could talk about I'm thinking, spoiler alert, there might be a part two coming coming down the road. But the last question I want to answer today is, if you are going to say, I'm a Christian and I hold the evolution, where does the idea of the Imago Dei, or where does the idea that, that humans are distinct from the rest of creation, that they're the image of God, or if you want to add like, hey, humans are the only ones that have a soul or a spirit where does that fit into this process of evolution? Mm. Oh gosh, I feel like that may uh, may be a good question for when we talk about specific um, creation creation Genesis accounts two, stuff like yeah. that. But I think just going back to the fact that science can the science science is great at a lot of things. Specifically, science can tell us the history of the um, the, the human lineage, um, it can't tell us about a specific individual. It can only talk to us and, and well, talk to us. It can only, um, give us information about specific species and specific time periods. Now, when it comes down to, was there a, a physical Adam and a physical Eve at one point, science can't tell us that science can't tell us, um, when we, uh, were officially in the image of God. Um, that's something that we look to the Bible to, to look at. Um, and so I, I think kind of what Jacob was saying earlier, we, we can look at God's world and we can learn about God and we can learn about 
um, how he created things and how he sustains the world and these natural processes and laws and things like that. But we can also look to God's word and we can see the truths that, that we find from that, that we are made in the image of God and that God is the creator and the sustainer. And so um, I think when it comes down to, hey, there are some things that there, there's some tension and one thing makes um, the other look less credible or um, I don't think these can pair well together. We have to look at how we're interpreting either science or how we're interpreting the scriptures. Because while God's word is infallible, human beings and our interpretation of God's word can be fallible. Um, and the same goes for our understanding of science. And so I think we just need to have some integrity and some grace uh, with both sides and um, look at these things in a... Um, respectable way. Yeah. I think, um, adding on to that, wherever somebody lands with, um, okay, if you're going to hold to, uh, the evolutionary process as part of creation and how we as people came to be, which you totally can, uh, there's different kind of places that you could put the Imago Dei coming in there, whether that's an immediate creation, like it seems like we read in Genesis one, or if it's, coming from a population that has evolved and then all of a sudden they receive the Imago Dei. What we know explicitly from scripture is that God chose us as, as we know us as humans to be a pinnacle of everything that he did create. And the reason that we are that pinnacle is because he placed this image bearingness in us, which basically means that we are to be like God and that we rule and reign over the earth, spreading his goodness out, uh, extending everything that is great about him while we are in a unique and intimate relationship with him. And that is something that no other part of natural creation has. And it was him who did that. It was him who created us and placed that in us and making sure that we are absolutely holding to that, I think is necessary whenever we're reading the scriptures, um, whenever we're doing that interpreting, like you were talking about, uh, and knowing that whenever we're discussing evolution, because we are believers and because we hold to the scriptures, there's no, there's no room for loss of human uniqueness to happen um, or value of life at any point. Uh, and that goes obviously across the board throughout history for anybody anywhere. Yeah, That's so good. That'll be kind of a, a little teaser for another longer episode on creation, the different the different views of, of creation uh, and how we kind of fit into that. And so um, last thing I'll say is, again, the question that we wanted to answer, can you be a Christian and believe in evolution? And the answer is, is yes. Science and Christianity are not opposed to each other. In fact, they help each other out. And so we'll see you guys next week. Grace, Grace and peace. peace.